Chapter Twelve of A Superfluous Woman by Emma Frances Brooke. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Bruce Perry. Miss Halliday liked her colors in half light. The hues she preferred were pale primrose, cream, or wan yellows nevertheless one morning about a week after the stag incident and when she had entirely recovered the event she was to be seen ransacking her drawer for a knot of rose-coloured ribbon but her drawer contained no such thing as a bit of bright ribbon though she turned the contents over with eager hands nothing of the sort was to be found after searching in vain she stood still in the middle of the poor cottage chamber the clumsy beams near her head the little window letting a chill draught stir the skirt of her dress it was the grey woollen dress with the straight unadorned folds her hands were loosely linked and her body so poised upon thought and so still that it looked like a lovely statue and the wonderful female face was lifted like a flower suddenly with a sobbing exclamation she stretched out her hand and unhooked from the wall the small looking-glass which formed the sole substitute for the splendid mirrors of yore it hung in a dark corner but she carried it to the window and looked critically at the reflection of her own face mcgillivray who continually set her in a new light to herself made even her beauty a matter of interrogation so that her gaze into the glass was both penetrating and anxious out of it looked back to her a small oval face with a dash of colour in the cheeks exquisite lips red like cherries a short dimpled chin and underneath the wing-like eyebrows a pair of large dark eyes with storm in them the colour and the storm were new she took a knot of pale primrose and then of cream ribbon and tried them against her cheek but neither satisfied her a bit of red sweet william with other flowers stood in a vase on her mantelpiece she tried that the rich deep velvety hue suited she saw in a moment the flame-like signals in her cheeks the new ripeness of her lips the wild strange light in her eyes there was an amazing magical something in her face which the colour intensified and she threw the dejected aesthetic hues which so ill suited this leaping up of life within her away and putting on her hat slipped out without pausing to excuse herself to mrs mackenzie and walked many miles to the nearest shop and purchased two or three shades of bright-coloured ribbons on her return she hurried up to her bedroom again and tied her ruffled hair up in a little heap above her head with a tiny knot of the ribbon showing like a spark in the midst and she fastened a handkerchief of the same colour under her collar and long white throat the walk had flushed and animated her and when she looked again into the glass a laugh of triumph parted her lips making her pearly teeth glitter and dimpling with tender mischievous touches the pretty curves of her chin and cheeks she threw down the glass and lifted her lovely arms clasping her hands behind her head i am beautiful 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 cried she 
in a strange fervor of conviction ye gods why have i been made so beautiful the moment after her arms sank again to her sides and her body fell into a posture of lassitude while her brows slightly contracted over some brooding thought so beautiful she murmured that it frightens me after which she shook off the impression and went out demurely without any covering on her head as she had seen mrs mackenzie do to ask if she could not set her hand to some work in the field opposite the house mackenzie was occupied with his stack he was covering it with fresh green rushes as a defence against the rain in the same field mrs mackenzie was spreading the morning's washing out to dry two cows and a horse pastured near them the field had a little curving path through it and a slope of rising ground the fowls picked their way across the road toward the stack with the air of trespassers who trust a preoccupied world may imagine that they come upon affairs of importance mrs mackenzie looking up saw jessamine with her red ribbons and uncovered hair unfastening the wicket gate and approaching mackenzie glancing down from his ladder saw her also and greeted her with the smile of indulgent amusement which was his invariable salutation she lingered near the stack for a moment her eyes entreating for a recognition of her beauty and her lips asking all manner of questions about the rushes and his mode of fastening them on and what was the most excellent way of preserving a stack from harm and whether the hay would last all winter for the cows a cow meanwhile neglecting its pasture stretched a moist muzzle over the fence toward the stack with vain and improvident appetite mackenzie looking down from his ladder to answer her inquiries perceived that the play of sunshine on her bright ribbons and wavy hair was a beautiful thing to the eye and smiled the more because of it jessamine turned away satisfied and passed down the field toward mrs mackenzie in mrs mackenzie's roomy nature the most astonishing event settled down after a time into composure she had put forth a maternal tendril or so the more on jessamine's account and when she saw the girl approaching with the bright ribbons in her hair and a new and nameless grace upon her lips and brow she raised herself slowly from her stooping posture and looked over her steadily and she saw as in a picture a way opening before her the most mysterious and dread of our existence save death itself and jessamine passing down it alone and unaided men call it the way of love what erratic fitful light gleaming out of the astonishing depths in jessamine's eyes touched her scotch nature with vague premonition it would be hard to say but the quietude and sobriety with which she received the girl intensified in her gaze as though she would have thrown out some steady anchorage to her help lassie said she in a caressing grave voice are ye fay 
fay oh no see i will help you with the linen and she dragged a sheet with effort out of the basket i have been away all morning she added have you been busy ay in this hard country we must be doing all we can and taking every chance that comes there will not be any time too much where i came from time dragged ay it is all one hour but a body here will be saying bide a wee and a body there will be saying go straight on like lightning he is i ill treated is old time he pleases none and here it is never dreary murmured jessamine with a certain cadence in her voice like the colour in her cheeks when the winter comes it will be dreary especially the winter evenings and when time is dreary what do you do indeed we just pass it away as well as we can jessamine looked round the sweet country out-of-door life the shafts of sunlight the stir of work the ripples of laughter from the children who played in the road filled her heart with melody in the winter it does not look like this she said in the winter it is ever bleak and cold there will be little work to do and long dark evenings to be sitting still and the wind drives cold down the chimney have you books to read there must be something a few books but john and me will not be great readers we have the singing class though and that will be something you sing ah i remember but how about this class the lads just meet at each other's houses and then we sing in parts it passes time away does mr mackenzie sing john is not so much at it he will not have a very good voice do you sing in the class oh yes whiles a pause during which jessamine's heart ran on and then tripped up does mr mcgillivray sing asked she with a throb in her voice mrs mackenzie shook out a sheet and held it up in her brawny arms colin will not be knowing much about it he does not know how does he not like music oh yes he is very much taken up with it indeed why then hasn't he a good voice oh yes he will have a good voice but he doesn't know anything is he not a reader i am sure he is fond of books colin reads a little now and then but he's not a scholar he does not care he just does his work he is a good farmer said jessamine a shadow on her face he does not care to improve his farm he has not any ideas he just does his work he built those good barns said jessamine an inconsequent fury in her heart the old ones fell down and he had to have them built up again the barns are better than the house insisted mrs mackenzie with her ordinary deliberate composure the house with the thatch roof is very pretty i think it is a poor place he might improve it the top story is just nothing but colin does not care he just does his work that's colin 
he is good he has a face full of kindness i cannot think he would ever be unkind colin is a kind man he will be always kind he keeps himself very respectable he just does his work that's colin and mrs mackenzie moved farther off bending her matronly figure over the basket and setting the large wise prose of her mind to make the more expedition that she had wasted time in words jessamine on the other hand stood idle and reflective looking at the sheet she had spread upon the grass with minute care as to the mathematical squareness of its shape meanwhile Maisie Mackenzie and her small allies had tumbled over the fence into the field and had begun to play near at this point they made themselves conspicuous by silence they stood in a row hand in hand Maisie with her yellow hair and velvet-brown eyes her discreet manner and brain fertile in mischief mary grant with still fairer hair and blue eyes a tiny toddle whose little cooing voice perpetually asked for consolation larry grant a pale-faced large-eyed creature with immense wisdom of demeanour and a facility in following evil counsels willie mcneil the eldest a red-haired grey-eyed lad whose sweet elastic little body was never still but who ran and leaped and bounded with the grace of a young deer they stood now hand in hand gazing with round grave eyes in one direction jessamine wondering what attracted them looked too down the little curling path which ran through the field came slowly along the figure of an old old man he was dressed in corduroy and his clothes though good were ancient and greasy he wore no collar and his woolen shirt was open at the throat he had a crushed wide awake upon his head and in his hand a staff his hair was white and his beard was white it was tossed and wild and his ruddy face was stained with peat smoke and ingrained with dirt he had large hooked features and a certain ancient and uncanny air which made him an astonishing though not attractive picture at him the children gazed and jessamine with them the old man came on setting his staff on the ground with a little blow as he went and staring about him with open mouth and with the slow dazed stare of the aged as he neared the stack mackenzie came down the ladder and leaned over the fence to say a word or two to him who is it asked jessamine of mrs mackenzie looking at the old peasant with horrible misgiving that will be old mr rory mcgillivray dalfaber colin's father mr mcgillivray will be wantin you annie shouted mackenzie from the stack he is goin into the house mrs mackenzie left the linen and hurried after old rory who was walking on and smiting the earth with his staff as he went the children as though some joyous event had come and gone began to play and scream with renewed zest jessamine for a few minutes went on unfolding the linen and spreading it upon the grass and then a feeling of sudden illness overcame her 
she dropped a sheet in a heap at her feet and stood staring dazedly before her and then she walked right away up the little path down which old rory had come out of sight of mackenzie and the children until she reached a knoll covered with birch trees here she sat down in the shade her body bent together and her arms folded across it beneath her the little path curled and beyond spread the waving gold of an oat-field ready for the harvest and beyond that was the tumultuous grandeur of the hills over which the afternoon light scattered itself in a golden shower and above which the clouds slumbered in a silver haze but her eyes strained themselves along the path that like a twisted thread crept about the purple flank of the moor breaking off now and then in a shredded heap of grey stones or sinking into a hollow of sparse grass and finally vanishing round the corner of some farmer's cottage beyond we go on and on knowing neither how nor where and in youth this irresponsible wandering of untutored feet acquaints us again and again with the strangeness and suddenness of human experience that road is undiscovered land to each young soul a myriad feet may have paved the way beforehand but to each human being it is as an unpenetrated desert a venture into new worlds a sailing on unnavigated seas there was none to whom jessamine could appeal and ask whither leads this road her mind opened and shut opened and shut letting out formless flitting ideas of youth and passion life and love but side by side with every aerial tinted image went the repulsive figure of old rory staring with open mouth and smiting on the earth with his staff the heavens wide as hope and clear as the thoughts of a god are above us but our feet are entangled in narrow ways down the curling path afar off scarcely distinguishable at first from the brown side of the cottage appeared at length the figure of a man jessamine strained her eyes toward him it was as though she had expected the form to shape itself upon the little curling path and to come walking toward her a feeling of blindness fell upon her as though the whole world were blanched out and the twisting path alone were left with the figure approaching on he came with poised deliberate walk his head up his limbs moving from the hip his great shoulders straight jessamine knew without seeing how clear and serious were his eyes and how his lips were folded one upon another and presently he was near his face smote like a brown-red cameo against the translucent blue of the distance and smote itself like a fiery seal on the heart of the watcher and just then he looked up 
a gray birch tree with a pallid lichen covered stem and the indiscriminate gray shadows of many other birch bushes crowded together drowning color in a cool umbrage a grassy knoll close-cropped and juiceless a gray heap of granite and against the lichen-covered stem a soft gray dress and above a little face with sparks of red under the chin and in the knot of hair a flame in either cheek and in the eyes an unutterable something which made the world reel suddenly collins steps dragged his hand automatically sought his cap but he saw nothing knew nothing save the face which had opened like the heart of a flower out of the dim gray wood for him alone the great world gave a leap as the two pairs of eyes met each other and then a voice quavering and impatient and coming from afar broke the spell and veiled the moment it was old rory shouting irritably for his son colin with an effort forced himself away and passed on without speaking jessamine slid like a shadow into the wood End of chapter twelve